Welcome back to Following Noadon, a Stormlight podcast. This week is episode 33. We have some interludes and we get into part three of Words of Radiance. We are well into Words of Radiance now, gentlemen. How are we how are we feeling? We'll start with you, Elliot. I will say, I was just thinking about this the other day, actually. Words of Radiance so far, I mean, we're we're, we're we're like a third of the way through the book, something like that. It's I think it's exceeded my expectations so far. We we talked earlier on that I was lowering my expectations a, a smidge for Words of Radiance coming out of so far. It's it's meeting if not uh, exceeding those. So I'm, I'm I'm feeling really good. It's good to hear. It's good to hear. I will say, but before I jump to you, Paul, that I I don't rate Words of Radiance as highly as some of the other books, and I. Don't get me wrong, I do really enjoy Words of Radiance. I just think there's there's better ones in the series. But a lot of people disagree with me. A lot of people really enjoy Words of Radiance. So I'm really, really happy that you're enjoying as much as you are. Uh, Paul, how are you? I'm doing great, you know. Um, I've been really enjoying this. I think we are getting close to actually halfway through the book um, at this point. Not not too far from it, at least. Um I have enjoyed it a lot. My expectations were really high, but uh, it's it's definitely lived up to or more. I feel like we've gotten a lot of significant events that we've kind of been waiting on for a long time happen already. Sure, not even halfway through. So I've I've been really happy with it. All right, we just came off of a high of some Zeth Kaladin. Dalinar, Adolin, Shalon, all sorts of action. And we've got some interludes for this this week. Do you guys have two words to describe these interludes? Let's start with Elliot. My two words for this set of and the one extra chapter were different and engineer. Different and engineer. I think I know what both of those mean. Uh, Paul, what are yours? So my two words were impassioned and imminent. Ooh, I I do like those words. Impassioned, imminent, engineer. I'm blanking on your last one, Elliot. Different. Different. All right, let's discuss these. Let's start at engineer because I feel like that's the the easy one. Elliot, what is what do your two words mean? Yeah, definitely engineer. So I I am an engineer, so I I keyed into actually this chapter thirty five where we get a little bit Adolin, and then specifically we get a little bit of Navani and kind of a little insight into her world. And I was I was geeking out. He actually does a fantastic job of kind of following a an engineer's process through figuring something out and, and all of this. So it has probably no bearing on the entire story, but I was like, ah, that is how you solve an engineering problem spot on. So that was fun. And then different, I went for different, different or change just because we have the interludes with the, the Parshendi Eshonai 
who undergoes a pretty dramatic change and comes out very different in more ways than than one, which I want to talk about. But then also we have the interlude with the the Herald Town, and he seems changed or different or crazy maybe not really sure there and then you can even extend this to to adolin a little bit adolin i think is a little bit different of his showdown with zeth i think he's realized that he needs to maybe step up his game a little bit so lots of people that have changed or are becoming and navani the engineer all right there is a specific change that i'm sure you guys keyed into but well i'll ask about later uh, Paul, talk to me a little bit more about your two words. Yeah, so first of the two being impassioned. Um, that goes for a lot of the characters, but most notably Adolin. Sure. Um, you can kind of see his emotion, a, a strong side of his emotion with kind of a disdain for what happened with Zeth and things like that. And uh kind of a big desire to improve and things like that. So that was the primary reason I chose impassioned. Um, the next is imminent. Not to be confused with eminent, I realized while looking into that, that those are two different words. Okay. Eminent referring to uh, Ashonai and kind of an imminent threat, I would I would call it um, as, as we see more of the Parshendi. Okay. Interludes 5 and 8 are kind of tied together, so we can start there. I want to see if you guys key into this first before I talk about it. Someone want to pick up um, Interludes 5 and 8 and what they got out of it? So I can I can start us off. So Eshenai, we get, a, we get a couple more interludes from the perspective of Eshenai the Parshendi, which is which is fascinating. I, I I really enjoyed getting a glimpse into their world, seeing the the other side, if you will, learning about where they're going. We kind of left them with this kind of discover storm form. We don't know if they're going to be successful. We find out here that they are successful, but maybe storm form is not exactly what they thought it was. As Eshenai goes into the storm, something I kind of noted in the in Interlude Five was just that she like tries to back out at the end of it. She like feels that something's wrong. She's like, no, this isn't what I thought it was. And she tries to like run away, but it's too late at that point. She kind of gets sucked in and, and brought into this storm form, which changes her. She comes out of the storm very, very differently in interlude eight for sure. With interlude eight, what, what is different about her? So the part that's so she's it describes the the physical difference that she has, which I thought was was super, super cool. It describes her, I think at one point, like she's got like this red lightning almost around her. That's like just this energy that she has. She can leap the chasm with with like no effort. Whereas before in their I think it's in war form that they were in before, right? They're running charge and, and sometimes they don't even make it across the chasms in, in storm form. She just kind of like flies basically right across the, the chasm it's not a it's not even an effort and she talks about how she can command the wind and the wind just does what it what she wants it to do but the scariest change 
is at the very, very end. It's like the last sentence of interlude eight. And basically the takeaway from it is it, it seems to me like the rational side of Eshenai or the part that wanted peace, perhaps, and wanted to talk with Dalinar is now trapped deep down inside and isn't getting a say anymore. It's just the like destructive Eshenai now and not the peace talk Eshenai. So that, that scares me a lot. Me as well. That was the main reason why I chose imminent as one of my words. Yeah. Uh, because this storm form does not seem very fun for uh, Alethkar in this war. Right. Especially after finally getting to the point where they would send a messenger and things like that. Um, one thing that I thought was interesting with the first interlude, interlude five. Uh, so in the the storm, in the high storm, she sees the Stormfather, similar to how Cal Kaladin did mm -hmm. when he was strung up. And I guess I thought that was interesting because, although now we have seen the Parshendi more, uh, and we've seen some from their perspective, I guess I kind of thought of them still as entirely different from humans, maybe even like below. I mean, that's kind of how they're treated right. throughout the whole storyline. Um, and I guess I, for whatever reason, didn't think that the Stormfather would appear or they wouldn't be able to see the Stormfather or anything like that. Sure. Um, I don't know why that is, but I thought it was kind of interesting that she does meet the Stormfather um, and everything there. It was kind of, kind of interesting. And he, he doesn't even talk hostility to her either. He's he he talks to her and apologizes to her that are you sure you really want this like uh, about storm form that type of thing it doesn't seem that the stormfather is really on a side here that uh he'll he'll appear to kaladin but he'll also appear to to eshenai when she's out in the storm so there's a bi bipartisan is that the correct word i'm looking for Something like that. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. He's, he's He doesn't seem to be necessarily taking sides, but I did notice that the Parshendi seem to have a, a rather strange relationship with him. It's like they respect him, but they hate him at the same time. Eshenai, he talks to her. Like, that's a big moment for, for her. She wasn't expecting that to happen. But then, I don't know, it, it seemed like they felt like he was still a bit of an enemy. And so it seems like there's a bit of a love-hate relationship almost going on there and then esh and i turns into what they call storm form which again elliot you described it as red lightning superpower jumps can control the wind we don't really know what that means but that's what she says her eyes are red where have we seen this description from anyone Anyone recognize this description? Was it in one of Dalinar's visions? Or uh, yes, but that's not what I'm referring to. Okay. There's there's like red eyes under the water of a spren, mm -hmm. but okay, okay, yes, there is that, but that's not what I'm referring to. Half point. There there have been <laughs> mentions of red eyes before, but I I couldn't place it. Like I couldn't remember what the significance there was so there's 
I know, I know, I'm gonna like remember it. I, I want to say it was with one of the interludes, either one of the ones in the Way of Kings, where I wanted to say it was with our our other Aryan person. I don't forget the name. Amian. Um. Yes, Amian person. Mm-hmm. Uh. Axes. Yes, I, I wanted to say it was something with that. Or one of those other characters in the interludes, but I I don't remember. What I'm trying to hint at here is Shallan's description in her head of Voidbringers. Red lightning on their skin, red eyes. Parallels here now. This definitely what Esh and I so Esh and I's become bigger, stronger, red on her skin, red in, on her eyes. This is a lot more accurate to the Alethi definition of a Voidbringer than the uh than the parsh the Parshendi or the Parshman either. If if Shalon had shown up to the Shattered Plains and said, Yo, the Parshendi, the Parsh the Parshman are Voidbringers, everyone would have been like I, that's not what the Voran texts say. The Voran texts are way more monster-like than this. If they see Ven, if they see Eshenai now, might be a little bit more believable. Here's a monster, yeah, for sure. And Elliot, you're right. I'm glad you keyed into that last sentence because there is a part of Eshenai's mind, the rational side of her. I think it, she describes it as that is that is screaming at the. Uh, yep. At, at what's happening and it's she, she thinks it's so wrong so something has happened to esh and i that was not planned and was not anticipated here and esh and i was kind of the voice of the voice of reason or the voice of peace if you will on the like the parshendi council that we saw you know i was i was encouraged when we learned before that esh and i was going to be the one to go and try this storm form first i thought Oh, good. If 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 anyone on from the Parshani that we've seen were to you know be granted that kind of power, it seems like she'd be the most responsible one, and wield it, you know, towards towards not just destruction. Well, it it seems like that piece of Eshenai is not getting a voice anymore. So right. that's why I'm terrified. Yeah, they the Alethi have confirmed a meeting with Eshenai, haven't they? There's there's one yes. coming up, so that might change now. Any other thoughts from five and and eight? I knew the meeting had to be too good to be true. Yeah. I was really excited for that. Pushing on to six? Remind me how to say this guy's name again, because I cannot get it right in my head. Take the H out and put an I in. Zyle. I. Zyle. Okay. Zyle. I I cannot get that one to stick. Every time I I read the name in the book, I have to, like, pull up our old episode where we talk about it, because I cannot remember it. I will admit that Zale is kind of cooler, so we could just call him Zale. Zyle. I think Zyle is cooler. Zyle's fine. So we get we get an old grumpy Zyle interlude. So any any thoughts on this this chapter? 
there was one thing that I thought was interesting. So I really liked this chapter. There's nothing groundbreaking, exciting necessarily, but we do kind of get the confirmation that that Kaladin's going to get a little more instruction sure. on fighting with a, a shard bear and things like that. But one thing I thought was interesting is it kind of shows Kaladin as like a dumb little kid, mm-hmm. almost like. And I thought that was interesting because every way we've seen from Kaladin's perspective and even others around him, you know, he he's very like responsible you know, to the point, man, you know, like nothing crazy out of the ordinary. And Zyle just talks to him like, and in that conversation, it sounds like Kaladin's like a a 10 year old, like, like, will you show me how to use a sword? Yeah. Yeah. It showed him as like a very, portrayed him as very childish, which was different. I think I gotta say I'm got by this this Zyle guy now. I actually really enjoyed this interlude. This might have been one of my favorites so far in in Words of Radiance. One because it gave us yeah a bit of a different perspective there, and you get to see kind of how Zyle sees Kaladin as this like impudent little kid who's a little too cocky. But it a lot of other stuff. I feel like there's a few hints in here that make me really wonder about this guy i mean we already knew that he's different he he doesn't seem to fit in with the even though he is one he kind of gets to break some of the rules he doesn't necessarily have to follow he's kind of that old crouchy guy that no one's going to tell him that he's you know breaking the rules and has that kind of authority over him sort of thing but then we get hints in here of like he seems to be aware of sill like he 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 mentions or oh it's that kid with the with the spren buzzing around and, you know, he just kind of thinks it offhand, like, oh, the kid with the spread was like, well, hold on, pause, wait. Not a lot of people can see Sill. I mean, as far as we know, like, Rock can see Sill for some strange reason. But beyond that, like, hardly anyone, if, if maybe no one. So now we have someone else who's aware of Sill. That, I think, is bigger than it might seem at first. And then the is with some sort of reference to, like, voices in his head where he's like waiting for the voice in, de- in his head to respond but then he he's like oh yeah that hasn't happened in years like what is that a reference to it did he like used to have a spren but he doesn't or is it something completely different really i, I was already intrigued about this guy now i'm more intrigued about this guy on my first read i keyed into that as well and i thought he had a spren and he was like becoming a knight's radiant and then his spren like died somehow or something like that and yeah so that that was that was my thoughts i'm glad you keyed into that he he also he talks about like the role of an ardent in kind of this demeaning fashion where he's like oh yeah these darn monks they only get one blanket you know off on my right it's almost like this guy's not really an ardent they've just kind of stuck him there because they don't have anywhere else to put him it's almost yeah. like he's like way more of like a nobleman or some kind of who has this epic past life and they just they want to keep him around because he's a fantastic swordsman he can train people They're like yeah we don't really have anywhere to put you so you're gonna be an ardent you know that kind of thing like that's the impression i'm getting of this guy which makes him really interesting to me 
he has a comment about how these darn Ardents don't even get locks on their doors. So Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't get a lock. So has he not been an Ardent in the past? Who knows? Right. I do I do like the the persona that Sanderson gives Zyle here. We we haven't had a grumpy old man yet. And we get a <laughs> we get uh when Kaladin comes knocking or lack of knocking because he feels him coming and he opens the door and Kaladin's like, Yo, can you can you teach me how to fight shard bears? He's like, No, go away <laughs> And then Kaladin get off my lawn. Yeah, exactly. Kaladin says, Please he's like there are two people who sleep here. One is a grumpy person at nighttime, and one is a happy person in the daytime. So come back during the day. <laughs> yep, it was great. Any well, other thoughts from it's six? A good one. No other ones on six, personally. It's pretty straightforward. No further questions, Your Honor. Exactly. <laughs> all right interlude seven. First of all do you guys know who this is it's one of our heralds it's the one we saw at the end of wave kings come out right correct Tal Taln Talanalilin Talon Talanel Talanalot whatever you want to call him what are our impressions of Talon many names so I was incredibly excited for this because I was like, whoa, we're going to learn more about our Herald guy, mm -hmm. Herald homie. Um, and he, he was kind of just, I don't know, he was, he was wild. I, um, everyone, was, it was, everyone was just confused about him. They're like, who is this guy? Why is why does he have a shard blade and he has dark eyes and why is it not disappearing? No one understood what was going on. Um, and neither did I. Good talk. Yeah, this 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 interlude is confusing because the guy's just like crazy madman rambling. It's like stream of consciousness. Like half the sentences aren't even sentences. It's it's almost hard to even follow what's happening, right? I'm I'm also still confused about the timeline here, because I thought, okay, great, we've got this town guy. He's now interacting with like Elokar, and we're assuming it seems like maybe Dalinar and Adolin are the like conversers in the background here. I don't think they're even actually named, but I think he. Yeah, I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know who's who's talking here, but they're talking car. It might be Adolin, it might be Dalinar, it might be some of those folks. So I thought, okay, now we're gonna put this, we're gonna put this event of the the Herald arriving into the time period. But it still doesn't answer that because yes, the Herald dude is now interacting with characters we know, but I would think if this had happened right here that we see here, by the time we hit the chapter 35 that we go to next. It would be something they'd be talking about in those, you know, present day chapters. Oh, like we just found this random dark eyed dude with a with a shard blade. This is big news. 
but they're not. They, right. And so it seems like we may still be in the future at this point, that this may not have happened yet. I'm not 100% sure there, but I'm still, I was trying to nail down a time and I don't think we can yet. The, uh, assuming, that's a big assumption, but assuming this happens after the end of the Way of Kings chapter where we see him, the epilogue of the Way of Kings, wouldn't the desolation have had to come or whatever that means? Because when he shows up at Kolonar, he says, the des desolation has come, I'm it's sorry, here. and then passes out. And now he's talking to Elokar and some other light eyes that we may or may not know. And where's the desolation? Yeah, great, great questions. All the questions I'm I'm asking. I don't know. We'll have to wait and find out. I I gotta say, one of the things that did make sense in this chapter, and I I think I laughed out loud when I read it. I'll just I'll just go ahead and read you read you the quote. Don't try to understand wit, Borden. You'll only cause yourself pain. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. We get enough another reference to wit. And the guy's like, yeah, Wit was just doing stuff. He was bashing himself in, in the head with a rock. I think he was making fun of me. And the other guy's like, yeah, don't don't even try and understand. You're you're just gonna cause yourself pain. I I, I agree with that dude. Yeah, I, I've I'm I'm there. We haven't heard from Wit yet, and we are in part three of the wave or sorry, Words of Radiance. I gotta say, I thought he was gone for good like left this world kind of thing but sounds like maybe he's not quite gone yet or he's he's still putzing around somewhere so he i bet he's too important to not come back at some point here or maybe he's too important to be worried about the shattered planes maybe he's got other things to do fair enough Any more thoughts on the interludes before we hop into part three? Nothing. I did. This is a general thought, not about the specifics, but we can kind of see that there's a pattern to the um, interludes in this book compared to the Wave Kings. Wave mm -hmm. Kings, it was just always like three, and they were all different characters from wherever. And this, it's like. Uh, an Eshenai interlude, and then two others, and then another Eshenai. Um, and these almost just feel like chapters. Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel that much like an interlude, especially the Eshenai ones. And then with Zyle, and the first one, I think we had one with another character that like was in our story. These are way more relevant like... than the Way of mm -hmm. Kings interludes are. Yeah, it's like current times, like current place, right? Things. So no, no Ishik. Mm hmm. And I'll be honest, I definitely liked the the Way of Kings interlude style more. Okay. Which I don't know how long you can keep that going in the books, you know, because at some point it has to be relevant information, I guess. But, right. Um, but I kind of liked the ambiguity of, ooh, how the, how is Ishik ever going to get into this, you know? But the the Way of Kings ones were kind of fun because you could, at least the way I I read 
perhaps maybe a little too analytically. I can kind of turn the analytics brain off going into a Way of Kings interlude and just be like, oh, this is going to be something completely irrelevant right now. It's just going to be a fun little story about Ishik paddling around the the pure lake no these ones are way more like you know important stuff's happening here in the you know timeline that we're in so i i agree it they're not quite so exotic as they were in wave kings right chapter 35 let's do it starting part three of words of radiance adolin is throwing a fit because he has lost a fight for the first time in who knows how long, and he's not very happy about it. So he's throwing his shard blade against a rock over and over. Any Anyone want to pick this up? I actually like from from Adolin. It it could maybe come off a little bit as, as throwing a fit, but I actually took it as more of a... Adolin's, Adolin's a bit cocky sometimes. He's a little bit full of himself. I mean, too a bit of a flaw. I mean, that rub... Callum in the wrong way, right? Callum really hates that Adolin's this this cocky kid. But Adolin, Adolin at least here recognizes when he's beat. He he recognizes that whoa, Zeth completely outclasses me. I need to fix that. And and what is Adolin doing? He's off training. He's immediately off saying, okay, I need to get better. And so I I think that's that's admirable for me in in Adolin for him to say, you know, whoa, I've got a I've got a weakness here. Let's fix it. Let's get out there and work hard and get better so that uh so that I'm ready next time, which I think is a, is smart. That's super smart for for Adolin to at least try and get better for when Zeth uh, eventually comes back. I did like that and I also liked we saw a good realistic element. So, for example, I feel like one of the I don't want to use the word dramatic, but I, for lack of a better term, I'm going to say one of our most dramatic characters is Kaladin. Mm-hmm. I feel like anytime something goes wrong, he's like, I'm going to be the perfect soldier and I'm never going to let anything bad happen ever again kind of attitude. Right. Um, and yep. Adolin kind of has that here, but then he kind of stops himself and is like, you know, I can't wear my shard plate all the time. Like, you yeah. know, I have right. to be kind of realistic with this. Uh, I'm really upset that this happened, but we're going to move forward and I can't be like crazy about it, you know? Sure. So. Adolin's a little bit more realistic with his expectations than maybe Kaladin is. Because when I don't remember who died at the hands of Zeth at the end of part two, but one of his bridgemen dies and Kaladin says, oh, I failed him. I he I got him out of the bridge cruise just for him to die here. And Sill's like, wait a minute. No, no, you didn't. He died a free man. He died a soldier. And you're going to take that from him? Like, that's your responsibility? No, he he died what he... He, he, he lived a better life than he would have without you. So why are you kicking yourself for this? And Callan's like, maybe, okay, maybe you're right. But <laughs> yes, you, Adolin might have more realistic expectations for himself. I I noted that Adolin again is getting more suspicious of Kaladin, his abilities. And he's you know he's he's still processing and thinking back like, oh man, the the guy that did the best job of standing up to Zeth was that 
that bridgeman guy bridge boy whatever he calls him and mm-hmm. he even thinks to himself he remembers like the sleeve that was cut on kaladin's arm and still trying to figure out like oh i thought i thought the shard blade cut his arm off but it's you know it's still there or it's still alive it's not a dead limb so he must not have but the sleeve was was cut kaladin Adolin is getting more and more evidence. Eventually, Adolin's going to figure this out. I, I guess you could call that a, at a prediction. But I, I think sooner or later, Adolin is going to arrive at the Kaladin has supernatural abilities because he's already seen like two or three different times now. Kaladin do stuff he probably shouldn't be able to, and he hasn't put it together yet. But I think he's gonna. Speaking of supernatural abilities, we see soul casters for the first time. So Adolin walks back into camp after training out on the Shattered Plains a little bit. And he sees a troop of soul casters, which that phrase is used for both the Fabriel used to soul cast and the person that uses the soul caster. Both are quote-unquote soul casters. And... Apparently, they're kept secret, out of sight from people. Does anyone anyone think this is weird? Weird is the right word for it. I, I was not sure what to think of this little segment here. I was, I was very curious to see, because we haven't really seen much of soul casting beyond what Shalon can do. So to see like the the ardent version of of soul casting was very interesting, and there's some interesting bits here. But yeah, it was it was weird. Some of the stuff was confusing. Maybe I didn't pick up on it as much as I should have. I've kind of assumed that every major place throughout Roshar kind of has this. Just thinking back to, I, f- I feel like it's always been alluded to, like with. Shallan's story and the soul casters. I, I took it that every realm has their soul casters for whatever reason. Right. Whether that be for like money, food, whatever. Because I thought, isn't that how they like make food mm-hmm. and things? They get the gem hearts and, and things and use that to like create food and, yep. and other things. With, um, with the with notable the exception. Casters? With the notable exception being Shinovar, right? Because we mm-hmm. had that one scene where they were like trading soul cast goods and that was so like important to the the Shinovar. But yeah, these guys are like really important for, you know, the thing of creating food, of getting rid of waste. This is kind of how they do everything, right? Don't they create a building in this chapter? Or like a, a storm wall? They they create like an awning or something? It's like some kind of like yeah you know, windbreak struck, allow you know someone to shelter under it during a high storm. I think was the what they were talking about. I I think the weirdest part though was not even the soul casting itself though. It was the description of the soul casters, the people themselves. They're described as having these just different eyes and skin, where they have these like sparkly eyes and this skin. It's like described as like stone almost. It's got wrinkles and it looks like stone, I think was what I had in my notes. Yep. Very strange. 
And I then, was I was not expecting that by any means. That I was not. You know, I I I just envisioned just being you know the the ardent scholarly types that have these on to have them like have physical changes because of why because they're doing this was that was that caught me by surprise. Yeah. We'll get we'll get more on it later, but there are rules to soul casting which have been alluded to but not revealed yet. Interesting. And it it leaves me with a question too of is thinking of Shalon and her soul casting. She obviously doesn't hasn't done much soul casting yet. She's only done it like two or three times, right? And so is her version of soul casting going to have the same effect on her? Like if she if she does, you know, continues on to do this, is she going to become like these guys look here with the eyes and the skin or is her soul casting somehow different? I think we know it we we know already that it's different from the, how the artists do it, but is is it different in a way that she's not going to suffer those effects for for lack of a better term there? I don't know if Maybe they get superpowers or something else, and it's actually a good thing. But it is Shalon going to change like these ardent people have have changed? That I'm I'm wondering that now. Here's a red herring theory theory for you. So these these soul casters that practice stone for these overhead awnings have skin like stone, and when Yasna burns the thieves in the alley she actually just turns to fire and escapes that way she's not actually dead <laughs> there's your theory uh, I like it so I also like that um, but I guess with <laughs> Paul's with, just uh, like I'm gonna not even gonna think about it yeah, no, no, we're not gonna not, not gonna spend any more time on it but um I was thinking about this though, like if Shalon keeps soul casting or things like that, would she kind of become like that? And I'm gonna say that this is linked to the Spren. I'm gonna say that this is these soul casters. Maybe there is something that they can do, kind of on their own. I don't know, somehow with these engineered fabrials or something. But I'm going to say that the Spren is like effectively protecting Shalon from not being like that or making this different. So okay. it's not however this is that they're doing now. But it's like an entirely different thing from this soul casting. Or at least if it's the same thing, she doesn't become like a ghoul person, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, I think there's definitely a difference here. I'm just going to make the assumption that these soul cast people don't have a sprint and they're not like a a knight's radiance or anything uh special so they don't they probably i'm thinking don't have to go to shadesmar and argue with the air to get it to turn into uh rock totally guessing but uh yeah don't think that happened it might have it might it very well might have <laughs> And then Navani makes a platform float. Navani makes a platform float, and this was this was where I kind of nerded out a little bit in this this section because it kind of flips to does it actually flip to Navani's perspective, or are we still seeing it through Adolin? I don't remember, but we're 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 definitely kind of seeing things from from Navani's worldview, and and it totally just switches right into like an engineering 
mindset, even from the very start. Like it talks about how the, I think it's Navani's thinking this of the mark of humankind is to create order amongst disorder, you know, to, to bring the wildness of nature together and create order out of that. That is, you know, the mark of humans. And it's like, that is such an engineering way to, <laughs> to think about that. You know, the yeah. artist would completely disagree with that, with that statement, you know, a hundred percent of how, no, that is, you know, they, they might say that is a, a terrible thing that, that humankind, you know, does is take the beautiful chaos of nature and create something with, with order in it. So just a very engineering or science way to, to look at the world. And then just the way she kind of steps through this whole test, the way they have like a, like a safety checklist and they're, they're all worried about, you know, making sure everyone's paying attention and collecting all the, all the data, like all of those things are, are stuff that's really important to do when you're, when you're going through any kind of a test of a new, new prototype. So I was, I was getting excited kind of stuff I get to do. You know, platforms being raised rockets same thing sure but yeah getting to the in-world stuff the the fabrials they're using here i thought were were pretty cool she calls them what conjoined fabrials is that right yes do you remember yes and she it's they're kind of like compared to like the span reads right so you read which just kind of mirrors this you know two different objects and they perform the same action to you know, miles and miles and miles apart. Here, she's made two platforms that do opposite actions. So they they pull one platform down. The fabrials that are in the other platform that are paired with those ones are, but opposite now go up, and so it lifts it up. You know, off the ground. You know, counteracting that that force of of gravity there. So that seems pretty cool. It seems to follow kind of some of the laws of fabrials and whatnot that we've we've learned so far. But it seems like a really interesting application of of that science if you will of that tech right there's some fabrials that are that will mirror each other's movements there's some that will push against each other doesn't matter where they are there's some that'll keep a room warm somehow yep my my first thought too on this was if they could perfect this, they could potentially use floating platforms as bridges to get across the, the chasms. They could use this to make their plateau runs a lot faster, right? You could do a Sadia-style bridge run now because you're not waiting on the chulls to bring your your bridge up behind you. If you've got this floating platform that someone could just, you know, like push with their hand as they're they're walking, that can make your job a lot easier out there on the plateaus. Yeah. could finally give you bridgeman shields yeah or or you don't even need bridgeman the, the bridge just carries itself you have the bridge crew lifting the other bridge right running the opposite direction uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're running away from that's the a, ca- you're yeah, running away running from away the and yeah, you have to that's know funny. to stop that would be kind of funny but yeah cool stuff science and engineering well, we have science and engineering this episode. I think we're going to have some politics next next episode. Oh, boy. Any any closing Sorry. thoughts on, on this episode? 
We had a, we had a shorter one. A little little mm -hmm. Adolin, a little Navani, a little Eshenai. Yeah, I, yep. I enjoyed the, the interludes. I think I liked... Hmm, I liked these about as much as the last one. The, the last ones. I'm really excited to see more of our, our heralds and hopefully get something more uh, understandable, I guess. Yeah. Uh, but... But yeah, it was really cool. Yep, I agree. And I am terrified of an army of Spendi about to come and wreck house on the Alethi. I, it, it, it might be getting messy, folks. Storm, storm father, or the storm form may not be too forgiving. All right, let's, we can call it there. Thanks for joining me. Join, thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot. See you guys next week. You got it. I'll see you later.